What we have covered here so far, all the six most important, um, rather powerful negativities that we very often encounter, including the ignorance. I'm not going to go in the detail of uh, there are 20 secondary delusions. And it's actually those negativity that we raise, rise within us. If you go in detail, a lot you can go. But basically, it's the sixth root and the 20 secondaries. So we have covered the, all the six roots until today. Actually, the 20 secondaries are also, if you go, and it is within the sixth root. So, but those, though they separately pointed out in the traditional old Tibetan way. And then we go look into more thing how it was raised within the individual, how it was raised, what makes it rise within the individual. That is important. So, as we've been telling earlier, the ignorance is the root of all. If there is no ignorance within the individual, then these negative thoughts and actions, this negativity is not going to come with us because it's totally rooted to that. The direct opponent of the, this particular ignorance is wisdom. As you know, ignorance is not of not knowing, and also the wisdom here is also not that uh, knowing is not necessarily of that particular wisdom that we are looking here. Sort of, it is the wisdom which really looks deeper inside, inside. The really true, the ultimate, no, I mean, the ultimate is too big word. I mean, the true wisdom which really cuts through the ignorance here is the wisdom of knowing the fundamental true nature. So it is a complicated way when I even I say the word, but it is the not ordinary of wisdom which you know this, I have wisdom, everybody has wisdom. So not that ordinary wisdom we are talking about, with a great wisdom, knowing the true nature of every existence. So normal American language, you said solving the mystery of life. Uh, so I sort of look in that manner. So it is really the, the mystery which is remain in deep inside, the mystery which we could not understand clearly. What is happening is this particular ignorance and the wisdom is cutting through that and making it really known. So for which a Buddha presented zero. Zero in the sense, non-existence. So people go and talk about all this dualistic attitude and this and that and all this. And also I must say with the same breath, when, when Buddha says, uh, non-existence does not really mean it's not there. That is one has to be understood clearly. And I must also say here, and in absolute reality, 
truly does not exist. That is the exact word what the Buddha used. An uh, absolute reality truly does not exist. It is very complicated. Does not mean relatively we do not exist. Relatively we function, that is good enough to be able to function, but absolutely we don't exist. That's what really the, what the Buddhists talk about, balancing point. So the balancing absolute truly existing and um, relatively not existing. That's where the balance has to be found. We can talk about it, we, you do not get that understanding or wisdom just by talking alone. Here you need a lot of meditation, practice, purification, blessings, all of them. Any support you can get, you need it here. So to contribute a little bit more about this wisdom, so how does this uh, negativities grow within the individual. So that we should be dealing tonight. These negativities are directly grown out of ignorance, nothing else. One of the earlier Indian pundit and Sandin scholar, Nagarjuna's disciple said, Nagarjuna's so this teacher says all these falses, you know, uh, the, the Buddhist viewpoint, all our problems, including our daily problems that we face, including our emotional problems, all of them are sort of uh, uh, blend on nothing but that of ignorance. So all the faults that whatever we have of the of the negativity or anything thereafter is follow, including all the sufferings that we pay, sort of really experience. With Buddhism talks tremendous amount of sufferings, which because we have it. So all of them have sort of. A Put it to the root is to the ignorance. So to understand that is called intelligence person. That's what this pundit says. So when you look down, look down to this ignorance deeply, what is this ignorance is hanging on? within the me is the self, the self. So So if you are a yogi or practitioner or if you are a spiritual dweller or if so you have to sort of destroy the self-existing thoughts because from the self from the I, my, my enemy, my friend, and so and forth, all these strong negativities grow. So root is there. But just saying root is there is not going to help us at all. 
because we know that, right? We, I mean, somehow we know because ignorance grows this, but that doesn't mean much to us. So, what do we have to understand? Is how it grow with us? What are the causes? How is happening? So basically, it is growth from the seed again. The seed here is the imprint. The imprint of our negativities that we have, we live within our consciousness. The continuation of discontinuity consciousness. Consciousness which continue, yet it is impermanent. That's why continuation of discontinuity. And that carries the imprint of every negativity what we have. That is the root cause of karma. That's what basically what it is. So that is within us. We have the imprint. And the imprint is not being able to function. So if there is no condition, it's just like karma. In the karma, we have original karma and the conditions we talk all the time. Likewise here, the imprints that on our consciousness are the, like the original karma, and the conditions around are the, are making it grow. So the number one is the imprint. And when you try to get rid of it, when you, when you say selfless, it doesn't mean selfishness, it's selfless. When you talk about selfless, you destroy the basis of the foundation on which these imprints are carrying been destroyed. And that's why selfless, existence-less, emptiness, shunyata, is becomes important. Because that is the where the imprint really stuck. The number two is the conditions. Conditions. Like if you got some kind of a chronic, chronic disease or illness or something, if you are not experiencing any pain or problem, but if something happens, if you eat the wrong thing, or if you had the wrong temperature, either too hot or too cold, or something doesn't agree with our body, so the original pain is grow, and we always know that, right? It's always grow, and it, it comes up, and then it started giving trouble. Likewise, the original, the imprint on the consciousness is only when it's connected external conditions, then it grow. Without external conditions, it doesn't grow at all. No matter how strong the imprint might be, this goes both positive and the negative. Okay, really it's true. It's a karmic law, doesn't make difference. Karmic makes very straightforward. It is simple. It's not a complicated law, it's a simple law. If it works, it works for good and bad both. If it doesn't work, doesn't work for good and bad both. It functions equal there. No matter how much imprint you have, but if you don't have the right condition, it doesn't grow. Does that does not grow? We do have a very strong imprint of anger. But if you don't have the condition to get angry, you are not going to get angry. Unless somebody did something to us. Or even at least looks slightly different. Or give you, sort of give you a little, ignore you. Or something 
unless something, somebody does that, no matter how strong anger we may have it, it's not going to come up. It's not necessarily has to be external cause, but internal condition too. I mean, people get angry to ourselves. Again, it has a condition. You think about your childhood. Think about what did you did. You think about you blow it, this and that, and then you get angry, right? So, if the, so that the conditions always comes in, no matter how strong it is, the condition comes in. It's a good thing. And here you have the room to work. It gives tremendous room here for the individual. That is becomes important of the individual. You can work with your conditions. You can make sure the conditions does not arise. You can make sure you have the, uh, the perfect condition where the negatives cannot grow with you. You can do all this. You have room. Even the miracles can take place because of the condition. The prayers can work. Pujas can function because of the condition. So it is important. So the condition which grows any negativity within ourselves, you have to be watching it carefully. Watching it carefully and try to block that. Even if it comes up helplessly, try to make it weak. And then a lot of people talk here a lot of things. A lot of people tells you, hey, I can transform it, I can do this, I can do this. A lot of people talk. That's why you say, you know, anger transforming, attachment transforming, all these funny things, uh, not funny things, it's true, we talk about it, but question has to rise first. Am I capable of doing that? That is a very important question. Whether this individual pointing finger to ourselves, saying, this individual, am I capable of transforming anger into what? Patience, laziness into diligent, attachment to a positive virtue, all of this, am I capable? This is first and foremost important. If you are capable of doing it, then the best way to do, easiest way to deal with it. But if you are not capable of doing it, it is dangerous. So the earlier Tibetan teachers give the example of honey on the razor edge, right? At the edge of the razor. If you put honey there, so if you like to lick, it is a, it will sweet, no doubt, but you may lose, cut your tongue too. So that is the point. So am I capable? That question you always have to put. If you are not capable, then there's a danger of cutting the tongue. If you are capable, great. But you can always experiment a little bit. And when you think it is not going to work, better with the dog. And don't sort of, don't be stubborn here. That is important. If you become stubborn, you lose. So, 
The capability of the transforming is the Bajrayana products, that's what it is. Like the products of the Yamendaka products are normally anger and hatred used to, the, to be able to transform as part. And the Hiruga Yabyum, neither the male or either the male or female Hiruga, in the case of female Hiruga's Bajrayogini, is the attachment. Not only attachment, even the passion. So it can be used as a method of, uh, of achieving enlightenment in nature. Now basically, the most easiest way for us is uh, avoid. That's why, that's why the Buddhist celibacy, yeah, the vow of the celibacy is, that is the only reason. There's nothing, nothing greater for that. It is simply, if you cannot handle it, better not involved. And that, as simple as that. Right. So better not involved. Avoid. And, but that is the way how it is said. But however, Tajabamba Mayinda, Yuninyawa Nevada, Sushi Mayin, Yijele, Nyumunjuna Sangbayin. Like one of the Basu Bandu, I'm reading here, Basu Bandu, the early Indian pundit. I hope it's right. Yeah, Tajabamba Mayinda, Yuninyawa Nevada, Sushi Mayin, Yijele, Nyumunjuna Sangbayin. In his metaphysical root text, it says, Tajabamba Mayinda, one who has not completely free from the system of the delusion and uh, when the conditions are nearby and then you have different thoughts, that is how those negativities grow within us. They said it's complete condition and the cause. So that's why avoiding. So in this vow of I'm not doing this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, this sort of vows people take, it helps tremendously. And that's why Buddhism recommends strongly and praise those of the people, the, the, the nuns and the monks who take their vow and honor their vow. Taking vow is easy, keeping vow is difficult. And so that's that. I mean, keeping vow is difficult. Taking vow is very easy. There's no problem. You can sit for a couple of hours and say, repeat a few words and I say, I do, I do. That's probably do the vow. But when you have to keep that day after day, night after night, it is difficult. I was a monk, so I know how difficult it is. <laughs> That's right. And that also has to be a good if you become a monk or nun. You really have to be good and good monk and good nun. It's no use of having a half monk and half half half. Half cook and half raw. Uh, this sort of look like a half boiled egg is not necessarily great. True. I mean if you look today, number of people do that. And as long as you are not involved with the woman, and you considered a, a pure monk, and if you, as long as you are not sleeping with the man, you considered a pure nun, and that's not only the point here. The point 
for becoming a pure celibacy, as uh, the monks has 264, and uh, the nuns have more, 300 and something. So each and each and every one of them has to be, I mean, at least, I mean, it's not possible. Each and every one of them has to be honored. There'll be nobody who can do that, none for whatsoever. But at least 50% of those, and at least those of them who are by action, by virtually, it is non-virtuous, by virtue of act, it's non-virtuous, should have to be protected. And even if you had one or two here, should be able to purify it within 24 hours. And that is great way to live. That's what the Buddha recommends. But it's very difficult today. And even then, but that does not mean if you cannot become a monk or nun, there's no way to develop, there's no way to develop enlightenment, there's no way even to become a Buddha. Is that not true? Number of early Indian great teachers, even the Tibetans, great number of teachers are not a monk, neither they are none. So there are a lot of them. But to have a certain kind of vow is very important. Very important, there's a tremendous amount of lay vows also. So basically in Buddhism, the vows are divided into three categories. Power of self-liberation, which they call it Pakti Mosha Bahu. Pakti Mosha is Sanskrit, Bahu. Pakti Mosha, the self-liberating vow. Uh, which means I don't do this, I don't do I don't do that. that. Then the second vow is a bodhisattva vow. Vow that committing oneself to be helping others. And in principle, you're going to give up narrow selfish interests and you somehow pick up the very open, the liberal mind of helping all beings and doing all sorts of things. And that is the bodhisattva vow. And then the Vajrayana vow, it is a very important vow. That is totally different vow there. So those of you know, they know. So those are very good vow. So even in those self-liberating vow, which is the, the, the monks and nuns have a larger number, there's a lay people who also can take, like, you know, five vows, five basic vows, like that, you know, I'm not going to kill any human being, I'm not going to make a big lie, I'm not going to have a sexual misconduct, I'm not going to steal anybody's property or anything worth. And uh, then they add up any kind of intoxication. So, or you can live that intoxication out, I mean, you can do that. There's all tremendous amount of freedom there. You can select. Or you can, you can say, I can do this much. I can do, even for sexual misconduct, you can interpret it. Say, I'm going to do this much. I'm not going to do that much. So you can put out, you know, your one way there. You know, that's, that's permitted. I mean, the Buddha recommended for it. You know, it's nothing, uh, nothing new. It's 2,500 years ago. It's happened, you know, and it's continuously happening. So all these things you can do. Even the definition of a sexual misconduct is also very, very sort of 
it is uh, interpretable. So, so that, that's really what it is. And so, and all this. And then in addition to that, we do have, and sometimes we do here in Johar, that is the Ed Mahayana precepts we do. That is the 24 hour vow we take it. That is the 24 hour eight Mahayana precepts. So, you know what those precepts and vows do? Even especially when it's a shorter time, not as long as I live or till I become a Buddha or something, but for 24 hours or something like that, you can prevent a lot of things that you should not do. When you prevent those things, it helps, you know. Well, that's for 24 hours, wait for 24 hours. And there's no emergency going to happen, right? One cannot wait for 24 hours, whatever it might be. So, so it sort of prevents you. And when it prevents you, you know what happens? It builds up the habit, habit of avoiding that. The vows and the prayers and uh, it is, uh, is benefits and all this are one story together. The, another thing what's happening is you begin to learn how to change the habit. So the habitual, the changing of the habitual pattern is actually key for avoiding the conditions which we are talking here. That is exactly what it is. If you become habitually avoiding those conditions, nothing great can be because non-powerful, powerful those negativities can never grow within us because you avoid the condition completely. Sometimes, in this case, if you have become like a madam positive or something, it helps too. There are times where there are good things sometimes. Anyway, one of those bodhisattva called Yasa Tomasambo says, Yunyepangbe, Nyumo Rimjitip, Nami Mebe, Kejo Nangife, Rigwatangbe, Chulangishi, Embertamba, Yasa Lanis. So if you if you avoid the bad things to contact, so gradually the delusions will decrease. And if you avoid the wandering mind and not paying attention, you know, sort of let it go everywhere, if you avoid that, if you be awareness develops, it builds up positivity within the individual. So by attempt, by sort of building up, putting efforts on the awareness, it builds up positive, good works within us. So if you keep your mind clean and clear, you will understand what really Dharma means to you and how it helps you. That's why they recommend to remain in the retreat.